I know you mentioned imposter syndrome. How much of finding your voice do you feel relates to how confident you are about a topic? Ooh, that's so good. I feel I feel like it's so important because if you don't have, you know, all of those doubts and those fears and the things that go through your mind, that's already a big barrier to getting to the point of putting your voice out there or to voicing mm. your opinion or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. And so to get to that point, you almost have to like... <laughs> I don't. Uh, this is such a great example that you gave about raising your hand when you don't have a question, because I almost feel like you have to trick yourself into like getting there. Um, okay, ready? Three, two, one. Hey, friends, it's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia and Puerto Rico, to be exact. And we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. Get ready for a candid convo with us, Nicole and Kate. Throughout this podcast, we'll be sharing our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you'll realize that one, you're not alone, and two, that open and honest convos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. Nicole, I feel like it's been a while. It's so great to see your face and hear your voice. Likewise. How are you? I'm doing so great. Welcome back from your vacay. Oh, yes. Yes. Came back from our little five-day trip to Tasmania the other day. I'm just like, okay, I just can't even help myself. Before we hit record, I was like dying to hear about your trip, but I knew we needed to record the episode. And I know it really doesn't have to do with today's topic, but just a real quick like recap. Was it amazing? It was amazing. It was the first time to visit uh, Tassie. And really, Tasmania is the state. We only stayed in Hobart, which is a capital. But it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Mm. The food was amazing. Ate way too much, way too much. <laughs> but it was just so good and just beautiful scenery. Um, just spectacular. The weather looked awesome. I mean, I was like hardcore stalking you on Instagram. So <laughs> all the pictures were just beautiful. But like the hikes and everything you guys were doing, the meals that you had. Oh, my goodness. Yum. <sighs> Yeah, it was it was gorgeous. It was a really great trip. So very, very happy that we got away and um, came back and just got straight into work and um, happy to be, you know, chatting with you today. Dive right in. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, today we are going to be talking about finding your voice, a topic that I know both of us are um, very, uh, what would you say, passionate about? Yes. (laughs) Let's go with passionate. I like passionate. Okay. Um, So when we were talking about this topic, I couldn't help remember an activity that I participated in in this weekend training that I did. I know in a few other episodes, we've talked about this transformational training um, and the mindset work that you and I have done. And during one of those weekends, um, we had this exercise that we were assigned, if you will. And I was teamed up with about 30 other people. And we had to number ourselves 
one to 30. So num person number one was like the team leader. And then you had to come up with subsequent subsequent groups for like the rest of the people. So two through 30. Um, and each group had a, ro a role to play. Like there are a lot of other details that I won't get into here. Um, just kind of like a overall uh, sense of this activity. So imagine 30 personalities and opinions all being shared like at the same time. This was also timed. So we had I don't know, like an hour or whatever it was. And you had to come to a collective decision. Now, mind you, none of us knew each other. Like we were just meeting each other for the first time. So we're literally putting this room together, had no idea who each other was, where we came from, any of that. And this was back in 2013. Um, again, I don't remember like every detail of the activity, but it, it was almost like they didn't give you a lot of details on purpose. So you kind of are put into this activity a little bit in the dark. So when our time was up, our team had not figured it out. Not everyone was numbered or had their role because there were just too many conflicting voices. It's like we couldn't agree on how we were going to be numbered, what that was going to look like, what everyone's roles were. And to be honest, that type of interaction that I'm describing just like makes me shut down. I'm yeah. not interested in arguing. I don't like confrontation. And there's and 30 people. That's yeah. a lot, that's a lot of people in a group activity to navigate. Totally. It, yeah, it almost becomes like a little bit frustrating at points because you're like, okay, I do want to speak up and I do have an opinion on this, but there's like so many other people that, ha you know, everybody has an opinion on this. So it was like, uh, you know, looking back, it was definitely an excuse for me taking the back seat um, just because I was like not interested in trying to compete and yell over people and all of that stuff. So um, at the end of the exercise, everyone was asked the, the same question. There were about four groups. So imagine 120 people in this room. And that question was very transformational for me. And it's very much related to today's episode, which is why I um, thought it would be great to share this story at the top. So the question that they asked everyone is, how did you show up during this activity? And what does that say about who you are and how you show up for yourself in other areas of your life? <laughs> and I was quite taken aback when I heard that question because when I was doing the activity, it was just kind of like, I don't want to deal with this. I kind of don't want to like speak up right now. I kind of just want to sit in the back. I literally did go sit in the back of like the area that we were in. Yeah, I kind of just like shut down. And I just knew in that moment in time when they asked that question that I chose the sideline in the back seat in that activity. And thinking about how I was doing that in other areas of my life was such a big moment of truth for me it really made me like actually stop and reflect for probably the first time ever, like what area in what areas of my life and around which of my core values and my beliefs and the things that I wanted to see in my life, where was I taking the back seat just like I had in that activity? And this was such a big turning point for me in finding my voice. And I mean, not just finding my voice, but in a lot of ways for the very first time, really believing that my voice mattered and that in order for me to get where I wanted to get in life and for me to live the life I wanted to live, that my voice had to matter, that 
sometimes I am going to be in situations and scenarios and maybe I'm not comfortable and maybe I do feel like just sitting down in the back of the room, but like you have to show up for yourself or Mm. else, you know, you're potentially not going to get what you want. Uh, It's very rarely will you get what you want if you're not willing to stand up and, and voice that. So who that was I kind of feel like I relived it a little bit right now. <laughs> yeah, and I have so many questions. Um did you see anyone in that activity that was behaving in a way that you thought, "Oh, I wish that was me?" It's a weird question. <laughs> no, I, no, but I I totally get where your question is coming from and when I think back to it, it was almost like I don't I think I just had maybe like a negative connotation about like that very loud you know, abrupt person that's just like, you know, basically like shoving themselves to the front of the room and, and just yelling over everybody else. And I didn't really like that. So was that person effective, quote unquote, in that situation? Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, that person was the leader and, and, and they were, you know, getting done what they thought needed to get done. And so, yeah, I think I did kind of have, for whatever reason, this negative view on what that means for people who, you know, speak up or who take charge or, uh, you know, any of those things. But to be fair, it it is a bit of an unnatural situation, isn't it? Because I I, I can kind of imagine what you felt, like that kind of disappointment, especially when the facilitator or the organizer at the end pose the question like how did you show up and almost Mm -hmm. like that activity being a reflection of perhaps your courage or your willingness to to be you know the outspoken one I I guess I'm not really sure what the purpose of the activity is Uh, and I'm not trying to you know put down this that this is a terrible activity that was (laughs) 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 who's the organizer of this event no that's not what I'm trying to say what I'm trying to say is that it's quite an unnatural uh situation I suppose that and then the takeaway is that you know, I wasn't as, yeah, as brave or as courageous to, to kind of speak over the person who was, you know, taking charge. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, but after having gone through this weekend and the activities that we did, every single one of them was incredibly over-exaggerated and putting you in situations that mm-hmm. are not natural. But I think you know, walking away from it, I think the point was to get you to ask those types of questions mm. and to, you know, it's it's a very, as you say, like stark contrast between an actual situation mm. that I might be in. But having having that realization, it, it's a very powerful realization when you're asked that question on the heels of doing something like that, you know? Mm. I can see that. I think that's probably me finding an excuse. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. well, this isn't real life. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but I see your point. I see your point. But have you ever like been uh, like in a situation or something where you're kind of like, well, I do want to speak up right now or or maybe it, maybe even from the standpoint of like, you know, when you talk about finding your voice, that could mean any number of things, right? It could be 
it could be related to literally like speaking up for yourself and asking mm. for what you want. Um, it could on, you know, in a different scenario, be more of sort of like an imposter syndrome, like, mm. um, you know, not putting yourself out there really. The first thing that comes to mind is conferences and when it's question time mm. oh, after yes. a talk. There have been so many times at a conference where I've been afraid to ask a question, to raise my hand. I find that mm-hmm. really, I've always found that really hard to do. Yeah, I know. I, I've thought like, I have a question and I think it sounds like a good question, but is it a good question? (laughs) Yeah. All that little chatter about, oh, that's not a good question or no one's going to really care about the answer to that. Or that's really obvious. Mm. Why would you ask that? All that little negative uh, chatter. And then sometimes the questions are pretty average. And then you just get caught up in, in that self talk where it's just like, just ask a question. I remember hearing once on a podcast, I think it was James Altucher. I think he mentioned this about his wife at conferences. This is, yeah, interesting. Um, She had this technique that when it was question time, she would just raise her hand anyway, even without having a question. It was almost like forcing herself. Okay. I've got my hand up. If the mic comes to me, I'm going to have to come up with a question. I'm pretty sure yeah. though, this was such a long time ago that I remember this example, but, and I've often thought about that. Just do that. Just raise your hand and see what happens. And of course I've never done that. <laughs> uh, what a great challenge to yourself mm. though, because I mean, when you put yourself in those types of situations, it's almost like you're forcing yourself to be able to think on your feet and be able to be a better speaker and to have better conversations and to ask better questions and, and all of that, right? Like, I remember when I launched my first podcast, that was my whole thing. I'm like, this scares me. I'm totally freaked out by this. I question whether or not what I have to say is valuable enough to be on a podcast. Who's going to listen to this podcast? You know, all the imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. doubts that you could possibly have, have, I had. But it was almost like, what happens if I just say that I'm going to do this and then I just start doing it? And of course, inevitably, I became better at it. I started noticing that when I was having conversations with people, I could speak so much more eloquently and like easily about business topics and things because I was practicing. I was putting mm-hmm. in those repetitions of doing it over and over and over again. Yeah, and I see I see this podcast is my exercise. <laughs> In what you did with your first podcast, this was exactly one of the reasons why I wanted us to do this. Uh, Selfishly for me, um, it was a way to to speak up more. Yeah. And then as as you're saying this, I'm looking at our notes and this is episode 31. And I think back to that first recording or preparing for for our first recording, how different it was to... Yeah, to get on the mic and to have these conversations. And I feel like 30 episodes is significant and yet it's not. You know, there's a totally. there's, there's a leap, yeah. there's there's a change, there's a transformation. So just like you. That's you know, exactly what I was thinking. I, I was thinking like 30 episodes is a lot of episodes. Like I'm really proud of that. But at the same time, look at how far we've come mm-hmm. in just 30 episodes. Like it's, you know, it it's gone by really fast, I feel like. And I also think about just the topic of finding your voice. And, and I think that that relates to this as well. Like, I remember when, when I first started writing 
posts on our blog. And it was like, I was almost finding my voice like as a writer, as an entrepreneur, as someone sharing business lessons, which was very different to, of course, you know, the writing that I was doing in school or like writing that I was doing for fun. I sort of had to, and I don't think it was until, I don't know, maybe like post 100 or something that I finally felt like I could get into a flow quite easily because I had found what felt right for me. And I had found the the way that I wanted to speak about business. And I feel the same way about the podcast. And I'm curious if if that, that kind of sounds like what you're describing to me with what's happened with our podcast is like, you almost reach a point where it becomes a lot more natural and a lot more um, organic for for you to get on the mic and to not be, you know, have like ton of butterflies in your stomach mm-hmm. or think like, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess up or anything like that. Like it becomes more fun, right? Because this process of like finding your voice um, becomes easier as you do it more. Totally. I When you said butterflies, I remember uh, the first episodes that we'd record. I remember actually the way I'd wake up that morning with those nervous flutters in my stomach. I don't know if they were nerves from excitement or nerves about pulling off an, a conversation and, and, and being at, you know, being quality enough to, you know, you know, put out there in the world. But, um, so funny that this morning I was actually conscious of the fact that I didn't have those flutters yeah. in my stomach <laughs> 30 episodes oh, later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but but I think that that also says a lot about just, you know, back to the beginning of the episode, like you use the words like courage and 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 I think that that has a lot to do with it because finding your voice in any of the ways that we've talked about is not an easy thing to do. You know, sometimes you're finding your voice by speaking up in situations that might be uncomfortable for you, or you're finding your voice in ways that you're, you know, putting your voice out there where you haven't really done that before and you're not sure how people will receive it, or even finding your voice by putting content out there and kind of figuring out like what is, you know, do you have like a a funny tone? Are you like, you know, that in your face tone or what, like, what does that look like or sound like? And, and that's not always easy. And I think that it's a great lesson for people to hear that just in 30 episodes and, you know, writing posts over and over and over and raising your hand, even if you don't know what question you're going to ask that those are like, if you're doing those things, you're on the right track. Like you have to put yourself out there in order to get closer to, I guess, finding whatever that is. I know you mentioned imposter syndrome. How much of finding your voice do you feel relates to how confident you are about a topic? Ooh, that's so good. I feel, I feel like it's so important because if you don't have, you know, all of those doubts and those fears and the things that go through your mind that's already a big barrier to getting to the point of putting your voice out there or to voicing Mm. your opinion or whatever it might be. Right. And so to get to that point, you almost have to like, (laughs) I don't, uh, this is such a great example that you gave about raising your hand when you don't have a question, because I almost feel like you have to trick yourself into like getting there Mm. um, or like skirting the fact that, (laughs) 
like you might be nervous or scared or self-conscious or not feeling that confident about it. Like you almost just have to do it anyway. Um, because I, I do feel like all of those things, uh, all of those will hold you back from actually doing it. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm thinking of my own experience where let's say in conferences, I always feel like there are people who are far more expert in the room. I, I always feel like I'm at not a disadvantage, but people know more than me all around mm-hmm. me. And that's what maybe holds me back from. But I, but I recently experienced, I don't know if I shared this with you, that I've started a storytelling course. It's just a seven-week course. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Yes. And funnily enough, I suppose this is another reason I'm doing this course isn't for the reason to, yeah, practice finding my voice and to get mm-hmm. better at telling stories and in general, just, you know, being a better communicator. Um, and it was very interesting. I noticed this about myself in that first class when the teacher was asking us some questions or to, yeah, we need to ask, what do you think about this? Or I found it really easy to just contribute. It's a small group. It was only six of us. So I don't know if it, the size of the group had any impact or the fact that in that moment I was like very keen to learn and to participate. Like I'm, I love being in a classroom setting and there's something that's yeah. something I know about myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love being a student. I love being a learner and I'm really big on participation. But it just came so much more readily to me for some reason and I was wondering about that. I was, is it more of the interest in the topic or is it that I feel like we're all kind of equals because we're students versus in a conference setting, you feel like, oh, there might be some industry experts or there might be, yeah, people who know yeah. way more than me. So if I, you know, pipe up, I'm going to re- reveal like, oh, what do you know or sounds a yeah. little bit. Oh, I, d- I definitely think so. When you were, when you were talking about it, I was thinking, well, yeah, because in that class, like everybody came there to learn that. Mm. So you already know without even stepping in that room that everybody wants to become better at mm. that thing, which is actually true of conferences too. If you think about like everyone who's in the room at a conference, like they're there to learn, but I think there's a lot that has to do with being on the same path or journey and also being about the same spot on that journey. Mm. And I think that's where it might be different is like you entered that course. So whatever the description of that course was or whatever, people self-selected, this is for me. Yeah. Whereas at a, a conference or a big event, you put hundreds, if not thousands of people in a room. And those, you know, some people are going to be experts, some people are going to be beginners, some people are somewhere in the middle. And so knowing that you're surrounded by people who are on the same path as you and, and not only on the same path as you, but along the same or or about the same (laughs) distance down that path, if you will. (laughs) And that's really interesting, because I think that, you know, we've talked a lot about that, about support and community and surrounding yourself with like minded people who are there to support you. And, And I think that that's huge on your journey to finding your voice, for sure. And, and I think what you say is really true. Um, it is a different context, but I do see it as, uh, as contributing like positively to the, to, yeah. F- yeah. Being able to speak up a little bit more and having another example. I think you've got to 
put, like you said, put yourself in those situations that give you the opportunity uh, to to see what happens. So in this case, by taking a class um, and having these experiences of speaking up a little bit more frequently, uh, doing more podcast episodes, finding all these opportunities, it's not going to magically happen one one day, right? You have to put yourself in these um, situations in order to practice it. It, it, it seems pretty simple, but um, yeah. That, that's proving well, to be and true. I think that in in a lot of those scenarios too, like how many times have you done something that you're really like nervous about or you weren't sure about, and then after you're like, oh my gosh, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. I'm never doing it again. Like yeah. that doesn't really happen that often, right? Usually you do it and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so like excited that I just did that. I'm proud of myself. I feel a little bit more confident now. Mm-hmm. Like. So, I mean, you know, there's not like a win-lose proposition here. I feel like it's always a win because Mm -hmm. no matter the outcome, you'll learn something from it, worst case scenario, and best case scenario, you've just proven to yourself that you can do it and you can keep doing it like a lot more times to become, you know, better at it. So when you wrote, started writing your blog, how how long did it take for you to feel, okay, this is my voice. I have the confidence now to publish a post and feel really great about it. Yeah, I feel like I was quite hard on myself because I was an English major. And so, I, <laughs> you know, I, it took me a long time to go from educational writing. Well, hmm, okay, that sounds weird because obviously what I write is for educational purposes, but in a different way. So it took me a long time to go from like writing for a college essay to writing a blog post for entrepreneurs. And I think that was honestly my, my biggest struggle. You know, it wasn't that I didn't have things things to write about, or I was at a loss for topics, or I didn't know what to say about a topic. It was more like I needed to find my way out of college essay writing and into more of a like a conversational writing that people would actually want to read. Nobody wants to sit down and read a college essay, (laughs) right? They're so boring. (laughs) So did you look up uh, how do you because I know myself, I'm very big on let me see how it's done. And then I'll find mm. my way mm-hmm. versus just totally. get to, are you the same? Yes. A hundred percent. So I started following, like I, there are a lot of bloggers that I follow that I was like, okay, let me see how they're doing this. And I would sign up to people's email newsletters. I'd be like, oh, okay, I really like this email newsletter. And mm. you start to like, kind of see, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to like copy it then, but mm. to your point, you, you find what you like and then you tweak it. So it's your own. Um, And I did a lot of that for sure. And I did a lot of testing too. You know, I did a lot of stuff that was like, I didn't know if it was going to stick or be helpful, but I waited, you know, I asked for feedback from Mm -hmm. our audience of like, when I was writing a, a, a story-based post, like, was I getting more feedback than if I wrote a set of steps type of post or, you know, mm-hmm. some a, a case study, like what kind of landed for my readers? Because obviously, like, if I love a case study, it doesn't really matter if that's not what my readers want. So then it kind of became like, okay, now I've kind of found like my 
jam and like my vibe, but now how do I make sure that I'm also providing like what my <laughs> reader wants? There's so many different parts to it when you dissect it, huh? Well, that's what I was thinking because initially I'm thinking, okay, does I wonder if that actually really helps. Does it help or does it hinder uh, finding your voice and getting better at it and practicing if you spend all this time first looking at, you know, other models of how it's done and versus just going for it? That's one question. And then when then when you add the layer of like, and then there's an audience, does it does it resonate? That's another another level to it as well. So there's so much to it, which you which makes, you know, why this topic, why we're talking about it, it might seem like, oh, finding your voice, speaking up. It's it's quite simple. It's just about confidence or it's about knowing your stuff. But there's there's a lot to it. There's a there's a lot, a lot to more. it. Yeah. Yeah, it also, like, I, I also go back and think, and I've thought about this a lot, especially kind of like going back to my uh, story that I shared at the beginning of the episode and kind of having that realization of like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, kind of like the silent backseater. <laughs> and I don't want to be that. I, I want to be like, you know, I want to ask for what I want and feel confident about that and not shy away from things that I know are are the right, you know, what's right and what's wrong and what lines up with my values and all this stuff. And, you know, I can't help but then think about like, where in my history did something happen to where I felt like my voice didn't matter or I felt like, mm. oh, okay, I'm not going to speak up anymore. And, I think the classroom is a perfect example because I'm sure everyone can relate to, you know, being a kid in class and raising your hand and having the class laugh at you mm -hmm. or, you know, like I remember those reading, you know, when you're reading as a class and everybody has to read a part and you get to a word you don't know and then like everyone laughs at you because you don't say it right. And it's just like all these experiences that we've had growing up and, and, of course, a massive one is whether you had someone around you encouraging you to speak up for what you wanted and, and not putting mm. you down for voicing your opinion and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's huge as well. But it, it is just wild to think of like how many experiences you have that kind of shape that. Oh, look at us bringing up, trying to bring it back to Al. <laughs> well, not trying. Childhood. It, it, <laughs> you've, just, you've just triggered a few memories. There's something that my mum used to do when I was a kid that would make me feel so awkward and so embarrassed. When uh, we'd be out shopping, my mum had no problems with asking for a discount. <laughs> Go mom. Right. But I <laughs> And I'm talking, you're shopping in the department store for a hairdryer and mum's asking, is there a discount on this? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what it's like in the States, but here in Australia, sure, things go on sale, but the concept of haggling, bargaining, it wasn't really, and I'm talking about the 80s, 90s, it wasn't really done and you know I'm, the reason why I said it was awkward and I used to hate it is because I could tell this is kind of not done the shop owner the sales rep was often a bit uncomfortable because it's like what is this person doing asking for a discount <laughs> on a full priced item but of course mum being Italian and it's pretty common I think in Italy it was common to to 
bargained. Uh, it, just, yeah. it wasn't unusual for her uh, to do that back home. And she just transferred that to her shopping in Sydney, which, you know, by her side is like a 10, 11, 12 year old. I feel like squirming, like, don't do that. Like, don't ask for stuff. <laughs> and it's a simple, it's a simple example of, yeah, like speaking up, asking for what you want. You know, I always often talk about the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Mm. <laughs> You've heard that saying, right? Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's so true because there were times when she did get the discount mm. and it was like, oh, okay, great. That's a, that's also a perfect example of, I feel like I can think of thousands of times that like thousands, maybe a exaggeration, but when you're at a restaurant and your food's delivered and it's not what you asked for. And I'm usually like, no, it's fine. I'll just like, mm -hmm. it's fine. Everybody else at the table is like, you better call the waiter over here and tell them that that's wrong and get what you ordered. And like, I've tried to be better about that. Right. Because I should get what I ordered. And the funny thing, tell me if, if you do this too, if I'm at the table and somebody else gets their order and it's wrong and they're like, no, it's fine. It, like, I'll just eat it. I'm like, no, you ask for what you want. But then when it's me, I'm like, no, it's fine. I'll just eat it. <laughs> that is so, so true. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, why is it so much easier to speak up for someone else on their, I, I feel right. like I've done that. Yeah. Why yep. is that? Totally. I have too. I'd be like, I will call them over for you. But if it was my food, I'd be like, no, it's okay. <gasps> this is interesting. So this reminds me of the first exercise we did. I'm calling back to the, the storytelling course that I just did. I'm very excited about it. The first class, the first exercise we did, we paired up and we had to share a story, a very quick story, a two minute story from our childhood, a happy story and tell that story to our, uh, the, our partner. And they shared their story. And then when we came back as a group, uh, the teacher was, uh, the teacher instructed us, okay, now we're going to share those stories with the group. And I immediately had that pit, that flutter in my uh -huh. stomach of, you know, okay, now I have to speak up and share my story. But there was a twist. He said, you're going to tell the story that your partner shared as though you are that person. Oh, and immediately I was like, oh, that's easy. I'm just going to retell her story. And oh, it wow. just, it was such an, I don't know why. It just felt like, oh, this is going to be so easy to do. And it was actually enjoyable because I was like thinking, okay, I've got to remember all the details and I'm, I'm going to pretend to be her. And she shared a story about being a flower girl as part of a bridal party. And she was dressed differently to all the other girls. Anyway, but what was interesting about that activity, similar to what you're just saying, is that when it, when you're retelling someone else's story, when it's not you that's at stake or you're, um, mm. when you're not really putting yourself out there, it just becomes so much easier. Yeah. Oh, isn't that interesting? Huh. Yeah. So like speaking up for someone else who doesn't get their order and, yeah. but, but just like you, if, it, you know, oh, that's fine. I won't complain. That's okay. <laughs> I wonder if it gets better with age. Yeah. As you get older. I don't know. I think probably in the respect that maybe certain things that you cared about when you were younger, that you kind of get a different perspective and you're like, oh, well, 
I don't care what other people mm-hmm. think about me asking for the food that I ordered. Like when you say it out loud, it's actually quite silly. Like, why would you not ask for the food that you ordered? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I think probably so. So a burning question that I have for you is now how many years on since that activity, do you think, how would you have participated in that act- activity if, if it's the Kate of today. Yeah. You know, I think I would have had a lot stronger recommendations for how things went. Because I, I do remember when when we first started the activity, you know, there was a lot of like, okay, how, how do we do this? And there was a lot of like trying to dissect the reasons why we were doing it. Mm. Um and instead of just kind of playing into that, I think I think I probably now I would come at it with, look, it really doesn't matter why we're doing this. Like we're going to find out at the end, like let's come up with a plan so that by the end of this time we have our thing. You know, I would have been would have been much more concrete about sharing my viewpoints. And at that point, if 30 people or 29 people rather disagree with me, like not feeling like so uncomfortable and shameful about it, but mm. just being like, okay, I, you know, I'm here for it. Like, let's do this. We obviously have to work together versus back then. I do remember kind of like saying a little bit, but then like somebody else kind of took over and started doing something different. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> just tell yeah. me, tell me when it's, when it's my turn type of thing, you know? So it didn't really, yeah. it, yeah, now in hindsight, it doesn't really matter what the outcome was. You would have just felt that had you just spoken up, that would have been an accomplishment. That would have, you would have felt yeah. better about yourself in that, in that moment. Well, and I think a lot of it too has to do with my perspective on regret now as well. Mm. I think before I, w- I, w- I was always approaching things like, it's fine. If it, you know, if I don't get my order or... You know, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. There'll be another, maybe I'll have another chance or whatever it might Mm. be. Next time I'll order the other thing or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) But now I just don't feel that way anymore. Like I don't want any regrets on anything. And, And I think that that has really helped me a lot. I think now when I approach things, Whatever discomfort or lack of confidence I have around speaking up, I just think about, am I going to regret this? Mm -hmm. And typically the answer is yes. And so then I'm like, all right, that's the courage I needed. That's the push that I needed to, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to ask for what I want. I'm going to do what I want um, because I don't want to have any regrets. That's a great way to not trick yourself, but it's a great way to hold yourself accountable as a little yeah. remi- as a reminder, I think yeah. I might start using that. It's a great one. All right, <laughs> you got it, girl. You take it. <laughs> well, Nicole, I feel like that is a great place to wrap today's chat on finding your voice. And friends, we hope that you've picked up a thing or two you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. And friends, if you've enjoyed this conversation and you have a friend in mind who might also find this conversation helpful, share it with them. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate Can Relate on their favorite podcast app. Until next time.